To make a donation, visit biblicallycorrectpodcast.org slash donate. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. What the Bible says about when to have church. Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast. Shalom, y'all. This is the Biblically Correct Podcast, teaching biblical correctness in a biblically incorrect world. My name is Kevin Jeffrey. I'm a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, and I love teaching the scriptures. How often are we supposed to gather together as the church, as the called forth of God? Most active Christians and Messianics make it a priority to attend at least one weekend worship service, so that seems to be the standard. But should that weekly meeting really be our goal? Does participating in a once-a-week worship service truly reflect the Bible's example for when we should gather ourselves together. Today, I want to talk to you about what the scriptures say regarding when and how often the called forth are supposed to meet. Then we'll consider how this should reshape the way we think about the reason and frequency for gathering as the body of Messiah. And if you haven't yet caught the other episodes in this series, I'll leave a link to those for you in the description. You'll definitely want to check those out. Now, as we learned previously, the called forth in the Bible existed in communities of various size, and they came together in local gatherings, especially meeting from house to house. But even before the appearance of the called forth, the community of Israel had already been given a schedule of specially appointed times. Every year, Israel was commanded to set a handful of certain days aside, some of which required an appearance in Jerusalem. And once a month, at the time of the new moon, Israel was also called to assemble before God. Then, of course, there's the weekly Sabbath, the Shabbat, which falls on every seventh day of the week. And it's around the Shabbat that Judaism built its weekly synagogue worship calendar, which Christianity later copied, then changed, shifting worship from the seventh day to the first. So while it's commonly accepted that the Christian Sabbath or the biblical Shabbat is the designated day for gathering at the church building or synagogue, and we even see Yeshua and Paul at the synagogue on the Sabbath, the Torah never actually prescribes any specific Shabbat gathering outside the context of the whole assembly of the people of Israel at one place. On the contrary, even Exodus 16.29 recounts a time when Moses instructed the people to remain in their homes on Shabbat. So Sabbath assembly, such as at the synagogue, isn't necessarily required. And as for the Sabbath being the weekly day of worship, the Bible simply never makes such a distinction. So while the Torah most definitely outlines specially appointed times for the whole nation of Israel to observe and celebrate together, Meeting together on those days is a separate issue from gathering as the called forth. They're not directly related. Nowhere do the scriptures appear to indicate that Israel's calendar in general, or the weekly day of rest in particular, speaks directly to Yeshua's called forth gatherings. And this makes sense, given that called forth communities are made up of diverse people groups living in diverse locations, both inside and outside of Israel. Now, of course, 
This doesn't nullify the concept of a weekly gathering of the believers, especially given the natural seven-day cycle which God established at creation. Nor does this imply that the called forth can't meet on the Shabbat. All this tells us is that there's no direct link from God's specific commands given for the assembling of Israel. And the same can also be said, to some extent, regarding Yeshua's own Shabbat customs. As I already mentioned, while we do in fact see Yeshua going to synagogue on the Shabbat, it may not be exactly for the reason you would think. In Luke 4.16-18, through 18, for example, it says that he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on Yom HaShabbat, the Sabbath day, according to his custom, he went into the synagogue and stood up to read. And a scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given over to him. And having unrolled the scroll, he found the place where it had been written, The Ruach Adonai is upon me, because he anointed me to proclaim good news, which he then proceeded to do. So while of course it'd be disingenuous to divorce Yeshua from his first century context in Judaism, which makes it more than appropriate to find him in the synagogue on the Shabbat, what we see here is that, at least by this point in his life, Yeshua's primary goal of going to the synagogue doesn't appear to be worship, but to proclaim the good news. In any case, he was there primarily with unsaved Jews, not with believers. So, not a model for a called-forth gathering. So while it says that it was Yeshua's custom to be in the synagogue on Shabbat, we can't read too much into it as an example for gatherings of the called-forth, especially since the scriptures also refer to Yeshua's custom in Mark 10 of teaching the crowds and his custom of going up to the Mount of Olives in Luke 22. According to his custom, simply doesn't automatically translate into religious customs that were also required to keep. All that to say that while Yeshua would habitually gather with his fellow Jews in the synagogue on Shabbat, this still doesn't really help us determine how often believers, Jews or Gentiles, should gather as the called forth. So with little to no help from Israel's calendar and Yeshua's Shabbat observance not really applicable to the gathering of believers, it'd be nice if we could get some assistance, perhaps, from Paul. But unfortunately, as far as Shabbat is concerned, Paul also basically just takes advantage of the day to interact not primarily with believers, but with unbelievers. For example, he proclaimed Yeshua in Acts chapter 13, standing up to speak in the middle of the synagogue service. And in Acts 17 and 18, we see him reasoning with unbelievers from the scriptures on the Shabbat. So as it was with Yeshua, Paul's Shabbat customs also don't offer us much guidance concerning when the called forth should meet. Now, as far as Christianity is concerned, Sunday is the day of worship. And while we've come up empty in terms of evidence of believers gathering on the seventh day, there are two passages which Christianity says suggest that the day for having church is actually Sunday, or what the scriptures call the first of the week. And I know that some Messianics have reasoned that first of the week is actually referring to Saturday, but that's another teaching for another time. A plain reading of the text indicates that the first of the week means Sunday. 
So the first passage is 1 Corinthians 16, where Paul's giving instructions about fundraising for the believers in Jerusalem. And in verses 1 and 2, he says, And concerning the money collection that is for the Kadoshim, on every first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside by himself, treasuring up whatever he may have prospered, so that when I come, the collections may not be made. So while a gathering of some sort might be implied here, the text never comes out and says this. All it says is that the believers are to set aside a portion of their earnings on every first day of the week, so that Paul won't have to take up a collection when he comes. It doesn't say to gather together every Sunday to collect everyone's funds and then store it in one place until Paul returns. It's not like they had a church bank account that they could deposit checks into. But even if this was what Paul was saying, to come together for money collection, that doesn't mean that money collection is the same thing as a gathering aimed at the building up of the called forth. So the fact that he designates the first day of the week for this purpose may be more pragmatic than anything else. Maybe he's encouraging giving from the first fruits of our labor rather than the end of the work week. Who knows? All we know is that he never indicates why he chose the first day. And it certainly doesn't point to a Sunday worship service. So this first passage that's believed to imply that church meets on Sunday falls pretty short. The other passage that Christianity often points to in support of Sunday church is Acts chapter 20, which has a little more meat on it. Paul says in verse 7, And on the first of the week, when we had been gathered together to break bread, Paul was discussing with them. So here we finally have a passage that talks about the gathering of the believers, which includes the breaking of the bread, and it says that it took place on the first of the week, again, meaning Sunday. But that's not the end of the story. The verse immediately continues, saying, And being about to depart on the next day, he was also continuing the words until midnight. And there were many oil lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. Jumping down to verse 11, And having broken the bread and having tasted of it, having also talked for a long time until daylight, in this way, Paul went away. So what this passage is describing is a time when Paul had been staying with the called forth of a certain place for a while. And then the day before he was going to leave, which happened to be the first day of the week, he spent time breaking bread with them, not receiving a communion wafer, but sharing a meal. And he was talking with them, but not in the morning or afternoon. It was in the evening, and he continued through the night until the next day. So while the passage is describing a gathering of believers, it's not describing a church service or a formal gathering of the called forth. Paul was simply eating and talking and spending time with them before going away for an indefinite period of time. That's all this is. And the fact that this took place in the evening following the first day of the week is incidental to the account. The passage would have the same exact meaning if it had taken place on a Tuesday. So if there's even the slightest takeaway here that might help us determine when the called forth can meet, it would be that a gathering is hardly limited to a sliver of time on a Sunday. So we've now looked at the appointed times of Israel, the Shabbat customs of Yeshua and Paul, and two passages that refer to the first day of the week. And what do you know? We're no closer to figuring out when the called forth is supposed to gather than when we started. 
We've struck out with the places in Scripture that traditionally inform us about this. So that leaves us with one last biblical place to look, and that's in the actual patterns and practices of the early believers themselves. And no surprise, it's Paul who gives us the most definitive answer in Scripture about how often the called forth are supposed to gather. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, Paul plainly describes it as, whenever you come together. That's it. Just whenever. Not whenever as in if you happen to feel like it, but whenever as in at whatever time and however often. It's a similar concept to how Paul refers to the sharing of the master's meal, which takes place during the gathering. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the master until he comes. In other words, he's not specifying a particular day, time, or frequency, only that the called forth gatherings are whenever and repeatedly. And while the natural rhythm of the seven-day cycle clearly lends itself to a regularly planned weekly gathering, as the post-biblical tradition eventually developed, the biblical practice and ideal of when the first believers met together was actually more than whenever and repeatedly. The ultimate example of the believers meeting together was daily. In Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, for example, it says, also continuing daily with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were sharing of food in rejoicing and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the master was adding together those being saved. And similarly, in Acts 5.42, it also says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they were not stopping teaching and proclaiming good news, the Messiah, Yeshua. And perhaps most relevant to the main purpose of a called forth gathering, in Hebrews 3.13, it says, Rather exhort one another every day while it is called the today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Just imagine how powerful and effective we would be as a body today if we were consistently living up to such a standard. If we didn't just fellowship superficially with each other once a week, but were involved in each other's lives, closer than extended family, exhorting and encouraging each other, and doing the work of ministry together daily. That's the ultimate goal for the gathering of the believers. That's how we build the called forth. So the bottom line is that the scriptures never tell us exactly when we must gather together as Yeshua's body. All it says is to do it and not forsake it. And the example that scripture sets for how often is at whatever time, on whatever date, repeatedly, and daily. So the tradition of once or twice a week church meetings and services that we're used to have obviously historically served a purpose. It's given believers something concrete to rally around, encouraging us to carve out time from our busy lives to notch out regular appointments for gathering with the called forth. And this is good. But the unintended side effect of this over time has been to relegate church to just a component of our lives. It becomes a program 
a habit. And no matter how exciting or fulfilling weekly worship services may seem, they can't help but eventually become rote and familiar, making not just attending services static and routine, but also being with the people static and routine. The first believers didn't multiply and build up the called forth through institutional religion, corporate praise and worship, and pre-scheduled meetings. It was built through an organic, persistent need, a desire to be with other believers, a hunger for the word of God, and a passion for the salvation of the lost. The called forth met together and ate together and learned together and shared the Messiah together so often, not because it was on their schedule, but because they couldn't resist being drawn to the spirit of God in each other and be driven by their shared purpose in Messiah. And while there's no doubt that as the called forth grew and expanded, that that fire eventually cooled as evidenced in scripture and the organic nature of the earliest days would begin to recede. That doesn't mean that our only choice now is to keep the tradition and variations on the theme of church as usual. There's still a biblical pattern and ideal that we can pursue. That's as important for us to strive toward as we do toward the Messiah himself. And I know what you're thinking. The idea of gathering with the called forth daily, or even with just two or three other believers, feels overwhelming, if not impossible. Even if it was something we all desired to do, we're all really busy. We no longer live close by to one another. And every time we leave the house, it's a schlep. And that geographical distance between us, even if it's just a few miles, is a barrier that competes with all the other priorities and distractions of our lives. But if you think about it, what are our choices at this point? Keep church or Bible study or prayer group in its nice, neat little slot on our calendar and watch the world around us continue to go to hell? Or do we start changing our minds and habits about when the called forth meets, about how to be the called forth day by day, and begin moving our expectations, attitudes, and selves in the direction of biblical ideals. Connecting the body of Messiah so that we become more than superficial, so that we become deeply powerful and authentic and functional, will take time, our time, and our willingness to take that time away from other things that we think are important, and recommit it selflessly not to more Bible studies or praise and worship or church events, but to God's people, to spending time with Yeshua's called forth, to selflessly interacting in called forth gatherings, and being devoted to building up and carrying the burdens of one another. Can it start with leveraging technology over geography? Sure. Connect with other believers through daily phone calls and video chats, not just voiceless, faceless text messages or social media. Would it be a good thing to start inviting other believers into our homes and lives more frequently, just to be in each other's presence, strengthening our bonds as fellow believers, doing life together, and exhorting and lifting each other up? No doubt. And should we seriously consider increasing the time between larger weekly worship services, pushing them to longer intervals, such as monthly or every six weeks, or maybe longer, 
and breaking our weekly gatherings into small groups in the home, increasing the quality and effectiveness of both kinds of meetings. Absolutely. Because as long as we as a body are only satisfied with the status quo, if we're not willing to set the way we gather free from the once-a-week mindset, if we're only willing to give God's people a percentage of our time, then that will be the return on our investment. Only by living for God full-time can we ever hope to see the body of Messiah come alive again. Paul exhorts us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Look diligently then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because of this, do not become fools, but understand what the will of the master is. When it comes to how often we as the called forth should gather together, there's no specially designated day, time, or frequency. It's not supposed to be fixed and artificial, but fluid and organic. Our ultimate goal shouldn't be weekly or bi-weekly or other frequency of meeting, but to be the body of Messiah. For our way of life to be focused and aimed at Him, to become more intertwined with and interdependent upon one another, to provoke and exhort each other toward a wise walk in Messiah also that we may fulfill our life purpose as members of one another. If we truly want to be the called forth of God, then we must gather together as effectively and as often as we can. Because we're not functioning as the called forth unless we're gathered together, which, as the scriptures show us, should be repeatedly, daily, and whenever. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Biblically Correct Podcast. If you like this episode and want to see us make more, then we need your help. Visit our website at biblicallycorrectpodcast.org to support the work of Perfect Word Ministries and MJMI through your much-needed donations. And of course, don't forget to rate, review, share, follow, or subscribe to the podcast to receive notifications whenever a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about this teaching, or if there are any other topics you'd like to see me cover, shoot me an email at Kevin at PerfectWord.org. That's Kevin at PerfectWord.org. Until next time, remember that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting a right, and for instruction that is in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good act. Shalom.